so good to see you. Here you are. Good to see you this morning. Welcome. Welcome. We honor all paths to God. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. We do have some visitor packages. They're on the glass table as you come through the double doors. There's a little envelope. It's got some information about who we are, what we believe. It has a CD of our basic beliefs, Science of Mind magazine, some things for you to take home. Read up on it, get to know us a little bit better, and stick around and have some coffee and tea with us afterwards. We'd love to get to chat with you. So here we are, moving along, second week of the year. We are doing back to basics. Back to basics. Uh, I think I shared with you last week that we are going to veer off a little bit from home office this year. We're not going to follow exactly the program that they've put out. It's uh, spirituality in action is the theme from home office this year. So we'll weave in and out. But everybody, home office included, is, does back to basics in January. Most all of our Science of Mind churches, we go back and we look at really the beginning, uh, the beginning of what we believe and how it works. So we're going to continue with that this week. We are in part two, the way it works, the way it works. So the introduction of the book 35 pages in the introduction is broken into four sections. Last week, we did the thing itself, which is the first section. And this week, we're going to take a look at the way it works, which is the second. And Ernest Holmes says this in that section. The science of mind is not a special revelation of any individual. It is rather the culmination of all revelations. Remember, we talked about Ernest Holmes didn't claim to have come up with anything new. He studied philosophy, religion, and the sciences, and he found the common threads of those, and he wove them together in what is the science of mind. The realization that good is universal and that as much good as any individual is able to incorporate in his life, grab that brass ring, right? As much good as any individual is able to incorporate in his life is his to use is what constitutes the science of mind and spirit. So there you go. You have it summed up. <laughs> as much as we can grasp, as much as we can embrace, as much as we can take on, we can use. It's available alike to all of us. So when we talked about the thing itself, we said the thing itself is God. Source, good, love, Allah, Yahweh, Emmanuel, whatever you want to call it, that's the thing itself. That's the thing we're talking about. That substance in which we live and breathe and have our very being. That energy that activates, that breathes us. I was thinking this week and I think, you know, one of the words we didn't use was the force. Right? The force. And I think that's something that a lot of us can relate to, right? From, from uh, Star Wars. May the force be with you. You know, we're surrounded in that energy. We're in that stuff. That God stuff, Ernest calls it. You know, and, and uh, the way it works is it works through us. It works through us. There's this universal thing, there's the force, right? And it works through us, through our thoughts and our feelings. By our thoughts and our feelings, we create a mold which then takes form. That's how it works, right? So the thing itself works through us. It works by working through us. Thoughts plus feelings equal manifestation. In the back, 
earnest time. We talked a lot about thought, but we didn't talk so much about feelings, did we, Connie? We talked about, Ernest Holmes talked about the fire in the belly. Ernest Holmes talked about when we prayed, we needed to have passion, we needed to have enthusiasm, we need to have that emotion. But a lot more today, we're talking a lot more about that feeling behind, that feeling behind the thought, because we can think a thing. I can say a thousand times a day, I'm abundant. I'm abundant. I live in an abundant universe. I'm a money magnet. I'm abundant. I live in prosperity. But my feeling about it is, this doesn't work. Why am I saying this? This isn't true. Right? So if the feeling back of the words I'm saying aren't in a match, I'm not going to manifest what it is that I'm wanting to manifest. So it's our thoughts and our feelings together. Right? Even if we have to fake our feeling, even if we just have to act as if for a little while, we act as if we're abundant, right? We go out and we buy the expensive chocolate instead of the cheap chocolate, right? We're acting like we're abundant, right? We do those little baby steps because we have to be in alignment if we, in fact, want to create what it is that we're creating in our lives. This is directly from that section of the book, and I, I really do like this. In our ignorance of the truth, we have misused the highest power we possess. And so great is this power, so complete is our freedom in it, so absolute the domain of law through it, that the misuse of this power has brought upon us the very condition from which we suffer. So the misuse of the power is the misuse of our thinking. We've been graven this great power that what we think we create, and we, by the very fact that we're free to create whatever we want to create in the world, we have misused the power by creating Lack, limitation, separation. Spirit gives us that gift of freedom. We're free to create whatever it is we want to create. But by the very fact that we're free, we have created our own bondage. We are bound because we are first free. The power which appears to bind us is the only power in the universe that can free us. That is why Jesus summed up his whole philosophy in this simple statement. It is done unto you as you believe. And if you cannot remember any other thing from science of mind, remember that. It is done unto you as you believe, as you think it is. As you think it is, you are creative. In, in, in unison with the divine, you are a creative being. That is the way that it works. It works through you, what you think you create. It is done unto you as you believe. Spirit works for us by working through us. That's one of the sections of this uh, that we're reading this week. What we believe we create. I bet you can look over your life, and I can look over my life. I can look back at my life and think, you know, it's that self-fulfilling prophecy, right? That's sort of an everyday term, not just a science of mind term. They say, well, that was a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You can look back over your life and see when you did, in fact, create your own prophecy, I know I've shared with you before one of my mantras, and this was very early in my dating life, through my uh, 20s, until uh, I met my, my, who became my husband. My mantra was, they're going to cheat on me. They're going to cheat on me. They're not going to be faithful. They're going to cheat on me. And you know what happened? They all did. They all did, because it's what I expected, right? And then as I got to learn science of mind a little bit, and I got to learn a little bit about this power that I had, I was able to create wealth. I was able to create an, a very abundant lifestyle. 
I was able to do things that I never thought I was able to do because I didn't come from that background. I didn't come from having things. The first time I ever flew in an airplane was when I was a senior in high school. We went on a trip to San Francisco. Prior to that, my family didn't fly. We didn't do, we camped, you know. And uh, so I was able to create a whole life. I was able to take my children to Europe. I was able to do things by using these principles, by believing that I could, by believing that I could. There's a story of uh, three university students, and uh, they all have about the equal grades, equal intelligence, and they were called in, they had appointments to meet with the career counselor. And the career counselor said to them, what is it that you expect of your career? To the first student, they came in and the first student said, well, I'm a realist. I pretty, I know it's going to be hard to find a job, but I'll get one. I'll get a job and then I'll go to that job, you know, and, and I'll work for 40 years and then I'll retire. You know, that, that's, that's what I think my life will be like. The second student came in to meet with the career counselor and she asked the same question, what do you expect of your career? And this student said, she said, you know, I think I'm gonna get a job with a pretty good company. I think I have talent. I'm probably gonna get moved up through the ranks and I'll stick with them and I'll move into management and I think I'm gonna have a pretty good life. The third student came in and the counselor said, what do you expect out of your career? And she said, oh my goodness, I, I'm going to do amazing things. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to be able to support people. I'm going to be able to hire people. I'm going to be able to go, do good in the world. I'm going to do great things. And the career counselor said, well, is that realistic? And she said, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I know I can do it, right? So fast forward, years later, the first student had a job that he hated. He went to it every day, got laid off a few times and found an equally unlovable job, job he didn't like and ended up staying there for his career. The second student got a job with a good company and uh, was able to move up, move into management. She became an expert in her field. She made a pretty good living and she had a good life. The third student was able to start her own business, had great success, became an elite in her profession, was able to do all sorts of good in the world. She was able to do the things that she wanted to do. You know, so my question to you, what is it that you are holding on to that you think is realistic? Right? You might want to think a minute before you answer that because what we think is realistic has a habit of becoming the thing that we do. Do you need to stretch your ideas? Open them up a little bit? Think a bigger thought? I think Charles Barker used to say that. I need to get a bigger thought. Do we need to get a bigger thought? What is it that we're creating in our lives? There's power in your word. There's power in your word. We have a class, The Power of Your Word. Several of you have taken it. We had it here. I was on uh, Amazon last night just looking The Power of Your Word. Right away there popped up seven book titles with that title, The Power of Your Word. So, I mean, people are talking about it, right? The power in our word. What kind of, what kind of power does our word have? Don Miguel Ruiz, who's written The uh, Four Agreements, if you haven't read it, it's a fabulous book. I encourage you all to read it. The very first agreement is be impeccable with your word. 
and he has a whole section on your word. And what he says about being impeccable with your word is, through the word you express your creative power. It is through the word that you manifest everything. Regardless of what language you speak, you, your intent manifests through the word. What you dream, what you feel, and what you really are will be manifested through your word. Through your word. Reverend Valerie Reeves, Huntington Beach CSL minister, she wrote a story, or she told a story of this week's topic I'm going to share with you. When she was a young girl, she loved the movie Grease. You know the movie Grease with uh, John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, right? And there's the character Frankie in there, who's the beauty school dropout. She dyes her hair pink, and Frankie Avalon sings to her, you know, beauty school dropout. Well, this character Frankie, there's one scene where the girls are all having lunch on the lunch area at school, and she says one line for Frankie, that Reverend Valerie just thought was hilarious. And she repeated this line over and over and over again until she drove her sister crazy with it. She said it all the time. Fast forward five years later, she was running a restaurant with her then fiance. And uh, they had bought an expensive uh, engagement ring, so it was on layaway. It was at the jewelers, and they were making payments till they could get it out. And one day for her birthday, he decided he would pay for the ring and give it to her as a surprise. So he did that, and he brought it to the restaurant right before lunch hour, and she put it on. And it hadn't been sized yet, but she was wearing it, and she was showing it to everybody. This is my engagement ring. Isn't it beautiful, right? And as restaurants have a tendency to do at lunchtime, they got busy. And she started flipping burgers, she said, and making salads and waiting on people and doing all the things that you do in a restaurant. And she forgot all about her ring. And then a few hours later, she was making a salad, and she looked down and realized her ring wasn't there. She didn't even have it four hours, she said. And uh, she, she got the whole crew, the whole restaurant to help her all day long to look for this ring late into the night. Couldn't find it anywhere. Finally, they had to go home. It was night, they had to sleep, they had to come back to work the next day. She said she barely slept that night, she cried most of the night. She got up the next morning and went in to open the restaurant and she started to put the salad bar together. And she said the day before she had made 10 different salads, egg salad, potato salad, you know, carrot salad, all kinds of salads, and she was putting them out. And she was putting them out and when she got to the macaroni salad, there was her ring. And she called her sister, and she told her sister she found it. And her sister said, do you remember the line you used to say all the time from Greece? And the line that Frankie said in Greece is, my diamonds in the macaroni salad. <laughs> right? Our word is powerful. Florence Schivel says, your word is your wand. I love that. Your word is powerful. What are we speaking? What are we backing up with our feelings as we're speaking it? There's another story uh, of a young woman who was uh, always said, I never get a parking ticket. I never get a parking ticket. I don't get parking tickets. I drive in peace. I never get parking tickets. She met a young man, and they were dating, and he said, I always get parking tickets. No matter where I am, I get parking tickets. I get speeding tickets. I get tickets. Well, they decided to take a trip together. They were going to go back. They were in Los Angeles. They were going to go to Nebraska to visit their families, their hometown. And they decided to take his truck because in the back of the truck, you know, some of those trucks have like two seats. The back of the truck had a bench seat so the person that wasn't driving could take a nap, right? 
so they're driving and she's driving. It's her turn to drive and she's driving and she gets to about Wyoming and she's getting kind of excited because they're getting close to Nebraska and she's driving and before you know it, she looks in the rearview mirror and the lights. Right? She pulls over and Bob wakes up from the back seat. He'd been sleeping in the back seat and he says, oh, you're going to get a ticket. She says, no, I don't get tickets. I I'm not going to get a ticket. And she pulls over and the officer comes to the window and uh, he says, uh, he talks to her and she tells him, officer, I'm so excited. I'm just getting close to Nebraska and I lost track of how fast I was going and I promise I won't speed anymore. I'll be very careful about what I'm doing. And he says, okay, okay, I won't give you a ticket. But he sticks his head in the window into the back seat. He says, but you, Bob, you're getting a ticket for not having your seatbelt on. Right? Be careful what we say. What do we believe? What do we believe? Hmm. It's done unto us as we believe. It truly is. It truly is. As I said, if you can just remember one thing, it is done unto us as we believe. Our belief sets the limit of our demonstration. And that's what Ernest Holmes is talking about. What level of your belief is what you demonstrate? Do you believe you can have it all? You can have it all. Do you believe I can only have this much? Do you believe that I might get a job that I kind of like and I'll stay at it for 40 years and then I'll retire? If that's what you believe, that's what's going to happen to you. Do you believe I can leave the place that I live and I can move to this magnificent place and have this amazing life and I have no idea how I'm going to do it, but I believe I can? You can. You can. I've talked to you out there. You all have done it. You all have done it. It is done unto you as you believe. What we believe becomes our reality, the seemingly good or the seemingly bad. You are the captain of your own ship, right? Our thoughts plus our feelings equals manifestation. So then, the thing works for us by working through us. This week, I encourage you to become an open vessel through which spirit can express in the most magnificent way. God bless you. So glad that you're here today. Glad you're here. Thank you.